Good afternoon. Welcome to the Hamilton Wealth Partners Investor Insight number 86 for June 2020, and I'm Will Hamilton. This is our first Investor Insight for three months. Um, we had increased our written communication to you via client updates. At one stage, it was up to twice a week, and we're really pleased that we're able to return the insight after three months. That doesn't mean that we won't be writing updates. If circumstances deem it necessary, we will, we will be updating you in between the insights. Look, the COVID-19 crisis of the first half of 2020, it created enormous turbulence in Australian and overseas investment markets. Probably the biggest surprise has been the speed of both the correction in markets and the April relief rally. With ongoing volatility, that was the outcome. The world, look, it's been affected in social and economic sense, but also in terms of the human impacts, and that's well understood. But the economic impact, impact in particular is only just starting to become apparent. It's going to take some time until the full effect of the virus and the subsequent lockdown of people and the economy is going to be known. Niall Ferguson, he's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute, um, which is at Stanford University. He's also senior faculty of the Belfast Centre for Science and International Affairs at Harvard University. And he observes that sometimes it's the consequences of disasters that are bigger than the disasters themselves. So he was discussing the COVID-19 impact on the economy and his view is that you can't stop an economy for too long and expect it to come back to life. Ferguson argues that it's going to take much longer than people assume for the economy to recover. Is that uh, the pandemic, it's going to be a one or two year event, not a four or five month passage that overs quick, that's over quickly. Recessions occur in multiple stages. We think we've just commenced stage two. Stage one was the immediate response to the off switch being flicked. Stage two, I believe that what we saw actually last week was three things which really have shown that we're entering stage two. So first of all, companies such as Fletcher Building, GPT and New Zealand, they announced job cuts as a result of reduced demand. This is also to be repeated amongst many private companies, especially companies that we've spoken to. It's going to be a familiar pattern in the next six months, and what happens is that reduced demand has an adverse effect on ongoing total demand, and that unfortunately results in further job losses. Number two is what we saw with West Farmers announcing the closure of Target department stores. So, look, Target wasn't performing well before the crisis, and the crisis exacerbated this and made that decision necessary. There are other businesses in a similar position to Target that we will unfortunately see close. The third thing is what the Australian Financial Review, Review refer to as zombie companies. So they've been kept afloat by the federal government's JobKeeper program. This program is going to roll off, reduce demand as a consequence of the recession, and the banks will cease supporting these businesses. We believe the banks have already identified these companies. They're probably briefed insolvency practices. Um, and the JobKeeper program and the political sensitivity of calling in administrators right now is the only thing stopping this from occurring right now. You also saw, as we always do every month, what's called Purchasing Manager Index readings. So you see them referred to in the press as PMIs. And what was announced in May showed a partial rebound from April. But it's important to note that they were still from a very low base and the readings were still well below 50. So 50 is a really important level because above 50 means that an economy is expanding or the purchasing manager index is expanding and below that that you're getting contraction so may appears weaker than april as we see economy starting to open up again do expect an improvement in june but weak demand is still going to happen the, re the recovery um uh, the people especially 
SL saw only two months ago. Stage two will not be short and sharp like stage one. It's going to last six months. It's going to be brutal. It'll, the effect will see our economy and society change and will exacerbate the, the shift to agile working, automation, technology. The one benefit that comes out of recession is real productivity benefits, benefits for the economy come out of it. And that's what you'll start to see. There's also going to be additional stages that come out of this. They will not have the long lasting effect of stage two. They're really the signal, the bottom or the turning of the economic conditions. However long this plays out and however deep the impacts, we need to look at the here and now and consider the investment implications. As they say, we are where we are. How do we position portfolios in this environment? At times like these, it makes sense to take a step back, look at where we are, accept that the landing point where we come out of this crisis will be lower than where we stepped off. Underlying assets and uh, valuations and credit quality are important to consider, but asset allocation is the key. It's the key and investors should focus on this if they're considering taking on more risk. It's got to be in line with asset allocation parameters, balancing risk when markets are, are out of line with valuations, it's going to achieve the best results. We'd also like to say that the full economic effect of the downside, it's not being properly considered by markets. While markets are always forward looking, we believe they're underestimating both the depth and width of the valley that the crisis has created. Heuristic, um, they've tried to put some clarity on this by looking at earnings per share scenarios. For the US market, if you factor in a further 25% reduction in EPS this calendar year, on top of the 20% reduction estimated already, and a 20% recovery in 2021, what they call the equity risk premium, or ERP, would be 6.5%. So to achieve a 7% ERP, the US S&P 500 would have to fall to 24,500 from about 7,000, sorry, from about 3,000. Markets may or may not test previous lows, but it's important to invest with the knowledge of managing known risks rather than speculating or taking on more risk simply because a price has fallen. The risk in doing this is still, it's gonna be balanced towards the downside. Buy with the knowledge of where earnings could be positioned and take into consideration the effects of the crisis on the macro environment and the flow through effect at a micro level. Heuristic also point, point out there's been approximately $8 trillion in fiscal stimulus announced in a very short time frame in response to the coronavirus. That's equivalent to 10% of global GDP. So 3.5% of GDP is above the line spending which has been concentrated in the current six-month period. So to put this in context, and I think this is really important, during the GFC, the G20 spent 4.3% of GDP. And that was over a far longer period of even up to three years. And a further 6% of GDP was provided by way of loans and guarantees. So central bank balance sheets, they're expanding. That's been well covered in the papers. Um, and they're expanding at least as quickly by as much in the GFC. So heuristics suggest that fiscal and balance sheet measures must take, make up for most of the lack of interest rate cuts. And that's the big difference. So we've seen interest rate cuts of around 1% as opposed to 5% during the G GFC, because they just, you, when interest rates are zero, it's how low can you go? I think that's the real reason. So with this action is going to come risk. Two examples of the presence of what they call helicopter money, and you'll, you would have heard that, and deficit monetization, and a central bank purchasing government bonds to finance the spending needs of a government. So capital economics argue we're already there with the deficit monetization, and it's generally considered to have two defining characteristics that made it make it distinct from central bank purchasing of government bonds through asset purchase programs like 
you know, what's been called QE. So one, central banks fund the government directly rather than buying its debt in the secondary market. So this is via the central bank buying new bonds straight from the government directly or in auctions, which is the primary market. The second thing is government bond purchases are permanent as opposed to temporary. So this is not necessarily the case as government bonds bought in the asset purchase programs are supposed to be sold back to the market at some point. So only time's gonna tell if that occurs. We've also seen the unsustainable le levels of government debt globally and the move towards what people call MMT or modern monetary theory. So MMT, it challenges the funda fundamental way we think about money and economy and how an economy works. So at the basic level, fiscal policy is used to reduce idle capacity while spending is used to target full employment. So when the approach is about printing money, deficits become irrelevant. I know this, it's very difficult to comprehend all this. We would argue that the only way to erode this debt burden, which goes hand in hand with MMT, is to inflate this away. So as someone far wiser than us once said with respect to the talk of the emergence of inflation, be very careful of what you wish for. Capital economics is forecasting a 5.5% contraction globally in GDP this year. That's far bigger than the half percent foreseen during the GFC. They're also forecasting an 8% contraction in Australian GDP this year. At the same time, they see a bounce back in 2021 to 8% GDP globally and 7.8% in Australia. Build your strategy around asset allocation. Diversification will have cushioned the overall market effects of the crisis. And given the above, what we've talked about, ensure you maintain your strategy and hold your nerve. Above all, remembering investing is a patience game. If you've got any queries, please do not hesitate to contact either Ian Gillies, John Green, Kane Barano, or myself, Will Hamilton. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye.